You're listening to the Leading Second Podcast, where we are on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, and we never want you to miss an episode. So make sure you hit follow and stay up to date with all things Leading Second. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. From the second chair, for the second chair, this is Leading Second. Hey everyone, Brandon here. Welcome back to season five of the Leading Second podcast. So excited and honored to have you here in this space that we've created for you. If you lead from the middle in any capacity on your church team, then Leading Second is for you. This space is from the second chair for the second chair. And we just want you to know right from the jump today that uh, if that's your place in church life, we love you, we believe in you, We believe God has called and assigned you to that vital place in church life, and we've created this place to strengthen you. So welcome home. So glad you're here. And we've got a great conversation uh, teed up actually with some of our leading second team sharing with us today. So really excited for you to hear from them. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, though, I have an exciting announcement to make. If you're listening to this episode on or near uh, release day, We are excited to announce a fresh initiative, uh, a new part of the Leading Second lineup to serve you in church life, and that is Leading Second Coaching Groups. We are launching a new, reimagined, and immersive coaching group experience this fall, fall of 2022, and today, applications are now open for coaching groups this fall. So excited for you. Our coaching groups are really something God has laid on our hearts and it's built around this idea. And that idea is that leadership growth never happens on accident. It never happens automatically, but rather leadership growth and development happen intentionally, often by placing yourself with the right people in the right environment at the right time. I mean, I just have a question for you today. And that question is one year from now, do you want to be in the same place as a leader that you are today? And I know it sounds a bit rhetorical, but just think about it for a minute. And if your answer is no, then I have another question for you. And that question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, we're excited to announce this space for executive pastors, campus pastors, and anyone who serves on your church's leadership team. It's a one-year coaching group experience uh, with a brand new coaching team that we've developed. The coaching group experience for the first time ever includes an on-site retreat this winter. And uh, we're just excited and believing that God is going to use this space to sharpen executive leaders all over North America, around the world. So if this is resonating with you today, head to our website, check out Instagram, find the information and consider applying to be a part of a coaching group. It won't be the same without you. And we'd love to invite you into that space. Well, hey, for our first segment today, we're going to change things up. Uh, for a minute. And I was excited to invite a member 
of the Leading Second Tribe to come and share with us for just a minute on Leading Second as a PK, as a pastor's kid. You know, this weekend after release date for this episode is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And it's been on my heart uh, to address at some point in Leading Second pastor's kids and the vital role that you play in moving church life forward. So let's hear from a friend, from a member of the Leading Second tribe on Leading Second as a PK. here today with Eli Blevins from Wilmington, North Carolina. We wanted to have a conversation for just a minute on leading second as a PK. Say what's up to everybody, Eli. What's up, guys? How are y'all today? Thank you for listening in to the best podcast in the world. Uh, well, you know that, hey, that's that's a high compliment. I'll take it. You actually have a podcast of your own that you're you're allowed to you're allowed to mention. Uh, <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly take second place to you guys. No, no, not at all. I, Thank you, no, guys. Thank you, guys. Tell everybody about your podcast, because that's actually kind of how I found you. And I, I love what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Hey, so um, we have a podcast called the PK Podcast, the Pastors Kid Podcast. And uh, what we do is we love being able to reach pastors' kids like myself. And so they go through their own set of unique uh, kind of things that they go through in life. And uh, we just want to be able to speak into those and encourage those who are pastors' kids and to show them that they don't have to be exactly like their parents, that they can live in their own identity and their own purpose while also serving alongside their parents. And uh, it's going to be great. So So I, I love it. So good. I'm glad you guys are doing it. I am not a PK, uh, but I am raising now two of them. So you you grabbed my attention with that. And hey, we're uh, dropping this episode uh, right before Mother's Day. Of course, Father's Day is around the corner. I just love this side of ministry. I am not one, but I have a heart for this side of ministry. And I know that that especially now that you're in your 20s and you're leading in church, you know, you're leading second, but your journey has been unique. So I just have a couple questions for you today, lightning round questions for our first segment on the podcast. But um, I wanted to hear from you first, what has leading second looked like for you as a pastor's kid? What has looked like for me is I got to join hand in hand with what my parents are doing and helping build the church by taking, by having them really allow me to take ownership in some things in the church. And for me, that started off just doing prayer presenter slides here and there. Uh, But really it looked like just being a uh, just being a son of who they are and loving them and understanding that everything's not always going to be perfect, but I'm going to love them through every single thing. And so I just want to bring joy and love into our family life. And they did a great job cultivating that. That's awesome. You're giving me like flashbacks here and I'm going to make a reference. You actually may not understand with your age, which is tragic to me, but you mentioned pro presenter slides and I was in church, like, yeah, it was the, it was the overhead transparencies, you know, projected on the wall. So that was, that was our version of pro presenter slides back in the eighties, you know, and nineties. Anyways, so I did this. That was actually firsthand. And I had to move it and the lyrics were on there. And, you know, and so I, wow. I was doing that, man, at like nine years old. I was rocking and rolling on it. My, my parents well, taught me how to do it. Wow. You're more OG than I thought you were. That's, that's amazing. So tell me, how have you found your place uh in the church that is uniquely yours you know not just because you're you know the pastor's son uh but that's uniquely yours 
Um, the great thing about my parents is that they let me try and fail and try and succeed in many different things. And uh, because they wanted to be, um, they wanted to show that church was super fun. They wanted it to show that side of it. And so I just always wanted to be around other staff members and their families. And we were just one big family, always doing things with each other. And so for me, I just looked, I just knew, okay, well, I guess what you do is you just serve. You just start doing things. I didn't know any different other than, okay, it's time for tear down. We'll start taking curtains down and stuff right. like that. And so for me, finding my place looked like, uh, really trial and error and then going, okay, this is the lane that God actually has one skilled me in to do. Uh, but two, this is where I can make the biggest difference. And so I got to lead second by doing that, um, really by trial and error, but by my parents saying, this is just as much of your church and our, as it is mine and, right. and your mom's church. And so because of that, they were like, jump right on in. If you want to do the announcements at 10 years old, go for it. You know, it may sound stupid, but who really cares? Um, and they just kind of let me do some things like that. And uh, it was a small church then too, so you kind of get away with some of those things. But they just brought me in on all that fun and joy. And because of that, here I am trying to, you know, replicate so that. So good. So good. We recently had Leading Second Camp uh, in in March our, our first, you know, event for leading second. And, uh, my daughters were down there and it was so funny. My 10 year old had been begging me to like preach. Like she wanted to give a message at the event and I just had to break it to her. I was like, this is not happening, you know? And it's so funny. Even like we're headed into the afternoon sessions, worship's going. Um, she was getting ready to get taken back, you know, to the back, uh, while service was going to happen. And she, she comes up to me and she goes, dad, if you need me, I'll be ready. Like you just come get me and I'll be, I'll be ready. You know, she was, she was like one last little shot, you know? Um, and, and as much of a hard time as she gave me about it, I was like, man, thank God at 10 years old, you know, she's fallen in love with it. I just think it's possible. And I, I'm, I'm glad to hear your story on that. I'll tell you why I enjoyed when I started following you. Um, I had literally no clue how I, found you on Instagram. Um, but oh, you first, so I, okay. I find you first. And so okay, well, you gave me the follow back. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I liked is I, I probably clicked over to your account and I, it was really easy for me to pick up that you love the church. And I was just struck by that because I think we have too many voices right now that, um, find a weird joy or enjoyment about tearing down or finding the faults in the church. I'll never understand it as long as I live, but I, I sense that you loved the church. And then when I figured out you had the same last name as the pastor, I figured out you were the PK and I thought how cool that a PK loves the church. I know there's many out there. I just love seeing in you. So let me hear it in your words. Why do you love the local church? Um, it's my passion in life. Um, and I could even get emotional talking about it just because of how beautiful it is that Jesus said he was returning for his church. And um, I think for me, when I think about that, what kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? Um, for me, even growing up, I was huge into sports, but sports was only going to take me so far. Uh, I always had lots of friends, but friends come and go. But the one thing that was always there was every Sunday there was church there was worship and my heart got ministered to that. And, um, for me, I just went, this is exactly how I want my life to look. I want to be surrounded by people who are going on purpose and on mission to build a church. And 
church is not easy at all. I think some people think you just show up with a guitar and a message and, you know, church happens. And it's not that at all. Now I'm working in a church to work for my parents and it's not that at all. Hours are long sometimes. And, you know, it's, you know, heartbreaking and joyful at the same time. But I think that joining hand in hand with God's plan A, like the church is God's plan A. He doesn't have like right. the backup plan is, is church. And I'm like, what can I do to jump on the bandwagon that Jesus is already pulling and jump on that? And so Great. thankfully I caught that at a young age. I caught that at a young age and uh, I hope I can sustain that because I don't ever want to do anything different for my entire life. That's so great. What would you say to a PK who is struggling in their faith walk right now? I would say, first of all, try to make faith your own. Like your parents are fantastic. They can be your superheroes or maybe they're not. Maybe you don't even have great parents. I don't know what your relationship will look like, but find it in yourself to learn how to pray, worship, and read the word on your own. And there's some great places to start. If you've never read the Bible before, start with like the book of John and go through that. Read a little bit of Romans and Acts. Kind of learn some of the foundations of that and make it your own. Um, there's so many good worship stuff out there right now. So just go to YouTube and type in worship and learn to worship for yourself. Um, worship doesn't mean you have a guitar and drums and you're playing. Um, it's just being in the presence of God. And so once you kind of can do that and then learn to pray, set aside some time to pray for yourself. But I think it's so important that you learn how to do this from an early age now. And parents that are listening to this, um, encourage them, but don't force them. Um, mm. As in, don't say you have to do this for 10 minutes um, or else. Just by you living by example, that's how I picked it up. That may be different from kid to kid and family to family. But as the head of the households that you are as parents, you get the opportunity to encourage by leading first. That way they can come behind you and pick up on what's going on. Beautiful. I love it, man. Eli, thanks for this conversation today. And thanks for how you're leading. We're, we're really thankful for it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys. And uh, just, I know you guys are ministering and blessing so many people. I am in your corner 110%. And so you're, you're building the church so well. So thank you for that. Okay, so true to our vision for this season on the podcast to be from the second chair for the second chair, I am excited to welcome today for our interview, a great second chair couple uh, to the podcast, members of our leading second coaching team, Nick and Liz DeCold. Nick and Liz serve on the team at Lakeshore Church in the Dallas area. And um, like I mentioned, also serve as uh, coaches in our coaching groups and leading second I love this couple. Uh, they are seasoned in ministry. They carry a wisdom that is very special and uncommon. They, they lead with the trust of their pastor. I've got the chance to see them in action many times, and I'm looking forward to pulling some gold out of them today. Uh, for today's conversation, we're going to talk about carrying the weight of ministry with your pastor. So good. And I believe this conversation is going to call you higher toward that place of trust and empowerment that we all want. So without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Nick and Liz DeCold. Well, Nick and Liz, welcome to Leading Second Podcast. So glad to be talking with you guys today. Hey, what's up, Brandon? So good to be here with you, man. Hello, we're excited. It's a good day. Yeah, it is a good day. And I just have to say, uh, first and foremost, I love you too. Um, I love um, I love how you lead. But I think more importantly, I love who you guys are. Uh, we met 
I don't know if it was what three or four years ago. And um, when I saw you in action with your team and at your church, and then over the years, as I've become more familiar with your relationship with your pastors, I just want you guys to both know I admire you greatly. And I just feel like you're some of the best of the best and you won't say it about you. So I'm going to say it about you. And uh, so glad to have your voice in the mix uh, for the podcast this season. Well, thank you so much, man. Leading, leading second. I mean, we got, we got uh, introduced to the podcast, the ministry for us. Been, it's, it's been a game changer. It's been um, so refreshing, life-giving. It's one, I mean, every Thursday, we look forward to the podcast, the relationship we have with you. Um, so thanks for creating the space that you did. Absolutely. My honor. And I, I liked you guys so much. I invited you onto the team. So you are actually officially a part of our leading second team where we have a mostly uh, volunteer team. And I am particularly excited to have you both involved because uh, we are launching this fall a reimagined look at coaching groups for leading second. And you all are involved in our coaching groups team. In fact, um, if we scheduled this right today, uh, this e this episode is coming out on application open day uh, for coaching groups. So you ought to consider joining us for a year in a, a setting that is designed for mastery over novelty. In other words, um, it's not as much about new information. It's about mastering some of the essential skills uh, for second chair leadership. And we just believe that space will help you. Maybe you guys can weigh in for a minute. Why are you excited about coaching groups this fall? We just love talking with other leaders and encouraging them. And I think it's our heart to really um, just help any other leaders move forward and to serve their pastors better. We feel like this is a calling God has put on our life from the very beginning to serve in the second chair. And um, we just we're excited to one gain relationship and to help some other second chair leaders go further than they've ever gone before. And I'll, and I'll say this, like for, for me, I wish uh, I had something like this. Uh, in my oh, earlier yeah. years of ministry. Um, I think there's something special about a safe place with like-minded leaders who are going through the same things you're going through, where there can be vulnerability, transparency, no one's yeah. going to judge your motives or actions and just say like, Hey, we're all just trying to get better. Like, uh, what, what do you mean to do move forward? And, um, I think this, these coaching groups are going to create that space and really help a lot of people just move their churches forward and help them serve their leaders better. Absolutely. And, you know, we're very aware that the coaching space, um, in and out of the church is quite broad. And hey, I'm a the more the merrier approach to those who uh, serve the capital C or big C church. But let me say this regarding leading second is, yes, we're going to talk a little bit of method. And yes, we're going to talk practically. But the one thing you're always going to get at our ministry is heart. Like we're going to talk motivation and mindset. And that will always be a signature of this ministry, because I figure we can't be with you in every single moment that you're going to navigate something and, and talk about a method for it. But we can talk mindset of leadership and we can talk heart issues, which is so much of what the gospel's about. So uh, that's our prayer for you for coaching groups this fall. We pray you'll consider spending a year with us and we believe it'll be a big year for your life. So let's get to know you two for a minute. Tell us about what you do at your church and, and, and about your church in general. Yeah, for sure. So um, I serve as the executive pastor at Lakeshore Church under uh, Pastor Brad and Denise Howard. Uh, been on the team almost 20 years. So coming up on 20 year anniversary. Come on. Here in just a little bit. But um, you've been around that long. You wear multiple hats. So um, I always like to yep. make the joke that if you watch The Office, when I started here, I wasn't the assistant youth pastor. I was the assistant to the youth pastor. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
been been in different different roles, but um, it's just been the joy of my life to serve in this church, uh, to serve our pastors, um, and to be a part of the team of what God's doing here at Lakeshore. And I'm Liz, and I am currently the host team uh, coordinator over all of our host team's guest impressions, and I also serve as Nick's wife. And so that holds a whole lot of responsibility. <laughs> yes, it does. That doesn't even need to be spoken for. She's the so. brains behind the operation. He's he's probably very demanding, I'm imagining. You know, oh, uh, if only you knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so some get-to-know-you questions. Um, when did you both feel called into ministry? What was that like for you? Yeah, for me, um, you know, it's one of those things. I always remember just at like a young age, I had that that mom that always reminded me that there was like this call of God in your life and uh, never really never really entertained that until um, my first year in college when that's when I honestly gave my heart fully to the Lord and something just came inside of me. Like I, I went all in like immediately. I wanted to make a difference and um, went to, to Bible college, kind of fleshed that out. But I remember, um, it was one night I was at a youth camp up in a balcony and I was overlooking just the group of people worshiping and God just ignited something in my heart and said, Hey, that's what I've called you to do. I've called you to lead people, um, to be a part of ministry and to do it full time with your life. And, um, yeah, never turned back from that point on. So. Wow. For me, I grew up in the 80s. And so that was when the in we're both from Canada originally. So that was when the um, not the tent meetings, but the uh, I'm not that old, <laughs> but the um, revival Sunday night go till midnight meetings were in effect where you brought the prophets in and all those things. Um, Long story short, I was five years old sitting there literally holding a baby doll. And this prophet that they had brought in stopped the whole service, pointed me out, was like that little girl with the baby doll. And funny story, I actually hid under the pews because I was like, oh my God, five years old, I was scared. Um, But that was when he just literally prophesied my whole life that I've seen so far come to part. First thing was I would live in another country. Well, here I am in another country. Second thing was that, you know, I had a huge call in my life that God would fulfill um, in ministry. And so my parents have known since I was five years old. I've known that. I remember being, you know, eight, nine years old playing with my dolls that I was the pastor's wife. And so Mm. it's really been a lifelong calling for me. That's beautiful. First of all, I'd never heard that from you. Just shows you don't overlook the kid in the balcony you know, and maybe we need to get back to some Sunday night revivals. I don't know. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, what do you love most about the church that you're planted in and the pastor that you serve? I think for me, it's, um, our pastors are, you see what you get or you get what you see. I'm sorry. You get what you see. They're the same person in their home here at the church with all seven. I mean, they're just who they are. They're the same people with church people. They're so transparent when they're on the stage, um, which makes it hilarious sometimes. Um, but that's what I appreciate so much being a part of this house is that it's just, this is who we are, take it or leave it type thing. And so, um, yeah, I love, um, I love our pastors so much. I, I think one of the things I admire most about them is just their genuine, genuine love for people. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been senior pastors of this church for almost 27 years now. And uh, they just haven't left the course. I mean, they've been faithful to uh, the mission that they've been involved with. When there was 30 people in a living room, they, even to this day, um, Pastor Brad, he wants to know everyone's name. He wants to go to every hospital visit. He wants to, he just genuinely cares about people. And I think there's just something so pure about that. His humility, humility, 
uh, just it makes makes it so easy to follow. Yeah, I I've always appreciated their spirit and their humility, and just amazing how God's blessing them and God's blessing your church right now. There, you guys are building something really special. Uh, another question, funny, but what do you do first thing when you get up every morning? Coffee, 100%. No, I get up and make the coffee. You <laughs> that's, don't. That's true. You're still sleeping. That's true. I'm an early bird. So I'm a 5 a.m.er and I'll get up. The first thing I do is make the coffee. And don't let this guy fool you. I bring him coffee in bed. She does every morning. Woo, that's next 19 level. 19 years of marriage and I bring him coffee still. Yeah. So he's spoiled. Oh my gosh. I need, I need Lindsay Stewart needs to hear this right now. I just, <laughs> just want to say, no, I, I'm joking. I'm actually the early one. And, uh, so maybe, maybe she'll ask for that the other way around. I don't know. Lastly, what is an influential podcast or book other than the Bible that has impacted your life? Outside of leading second, right? Of course. We all know that's the best. Okay, that's a given. No, uh, I'd say for me, the, one of the most impactful books for me is one, uh, it's called, uh, spiritual leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. And it's an oldie, but a goodie. But to me, that's just, um, I love leadership, but that just brings a new component of the spiritual side. And to this day, I remember, um, I read it back in Bible college and refreshed myself on it once in a while, but just one of those ones that left a mark on me. Funny thing. I don't know, you know, what order, you know, these, these interviews all end up coming out on the podcast, but my interview just before this earlier today was someone who referenced that book. So Man, maybe maybe by someone in some this point in the season, someone needs to read that book. There you go. <laughs> Liz, what's yours? For me, that would be two books. Um, one is How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Um, for the second chair, that's I mean, that's gold right there. Um, and then uh recently I read the newest book from Jenny Allen called Find Your People. And I read mm. the thing in four hours. It was incredible and just huge on community and how to find it. And I was super convicted um, because, you know, being in ministry, we can make ourselves an island and um, not have the true community with people. And so it was hugely convicting for me. And I absolutely loved it. That's great. That's great. Great wisdom. So for our conversation today, uh, I wanted to talk with you guys today about carrying the weight of ministry with your pastor. And I'm intrigued by what you have to say about this. First of all, as I've said, I appreciate how the two of you lead. And I feel like if your pastors were talking, they would actually talk like this about you. You are the type of executive leaders in a church whose pastors have brought them close in a lot of things or, or maybe everything. And I, I think it's, it's a special uh, place that some find themselves in. I know many of us in our own ways desire that. And I actually want to talk to and pastor today the desire in a leader that wants to carry weight for your pastor. You might be listening to Leading Second and say, okay, I get it. I can thrive in the second chair. Okay, I get it. God, you know, might be calling me to this space, but I still want to do something significant. And I think that's the part of a second chair leader I want to pastor and have a conversation with you guys about today because um, God never asked us to check uh, our ambition at the door. He just asked us to check our selfish ambition at the door. There's a difference between godly ambition and selfish ambition. And so uh, we can uh, carry weight for our pastors and we can find ourselves um, 
at the table. So I'd love if you guys are comfortable uh, to talk about the conversation you had with your pastors at lunch recently, because I find it really interesting. You showed up for feedback, but they, they actually led the conversation down this path. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, we actually set up this lunch. Um, we recently went to leading second camp, which was incredible by the way. Um, and there was a, a session that your pastor, Kevin Gerald did. Um, that was one of my, my favorites of the whole day. And I forget the exact title, but it was something along the lines of what I'm thinking, what I'm wondering, what I'm hoping for. It was just really what's, what goes on in a pastor's mind. And so we had lunch set up with our pastors and, um, we were going over some business stuff, but we, we had some intention at the end to really just like get some feedback. We really wanted to one reaffirm, um, how much we were with them, but two, like we always want to leave, uh, opportunity for them to give feedback into our lives. Like we, we want to make sure that they know they can do that. Obviously they do. We want to ask the questions. And so we just asked them, Hey, like what, what is it that we can grow in? What's where the, the like the gaps in our life, where are we missing it? And um, both of our pastors are just huge encouragers. So they just came back with a ton of encouragement. And um, so we, we learned to ask the question in a different way, more in a way of saying, okay, the things that we're good at, um, what, what can we continue moving forward with? And just ask the question, okay, the things that you feel are good about our leadership, why do you feel that way? And for us, the reason for asking that question was it, it allowed us to hear what was important to them rather than us just assume what we think is. And so they highlighted some things. Um, and for us, it really just um, brought some areas out that showed um, what creates trust to them, what that mm. looks like. Um, and it was just a great conversation to really hear like some of the things that are on their mind that's important to them and, and how we can continue to move that down the road. It was interesting because the two phrases that they pulled out and then sent back to us was, you know, one, you make everything better than we could imagine. And another mm. thing was that we we studied them. We knew what they liked and we carry things out in the way that they would want it. So just like you were saying earlier on how like that selfish part, you, you've in the second chair, you have to get to that point where you lay down. This is the way I would do this event. This is the way I would want this room to look to where you've studied your pastors. You've come with so much um, questions and so many questions to them and you've been with them a long time that you just, you know, okay, I know that's not their style. That's not what they're going to like. Right. It was just huge to hear those yeah. things. First of all, I thought it was so great. You got feedback from your pastor. I wish more people would do that. I need to do that at, at some point here coming up. It's been a minute, you know, and what, what a great discipline or rhythm for us all to consider. First of all, in the second chair, regular and consistent, maybe, maybe just annual feedback from them. How am I doing? You know, how, how can we just work on our relationship here? So side note on that, what a great discipline to embrace in our lives. The principle that you are referencing here, in my opinion, is, is what Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 10, which Matthew chapter 10 is a leadership chapter. Jesus called his disciples together and gave them authority to drive out demons and heal the sick. In other words, they leveled up in their leadership. They had been observing Jesus in ministry. Now they were going to go do ministry in Jesus' name. So I, I view this as kind of like a, a, a big shift forward for, for the disciples in that day. But the new, you know, the keys to the Cadillac uh, also came with a cost. You know, the, the, new, the new anointing, the new 
um, empowerment from Jesus came at a cost. And later in Matthew chapter 10, you see Jesus say things like, whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Which it's interesting, by the way, that he introduced the cost, right? When he introduced the new opportunity saying, I'm going to give you a great opportunity, but there, there's going to be a cost attached to it. And, and the cost attached to it that I think you're addressing here, Liz, is the idea that we have to go second, that we, we find our lives after we lose it. So, so many leaders in the middle come to their role as to this is how I would do it. We are live in a culture that celebrates uniqueness I mean, if you guys might remember back in the 80s and 90s when we were growing up, style was like one thing. And and you there was one thing that was in style and everybody wanted that one thing, right? Like if you had that one thing, then you were in style. Now today, style is like if you are you, <laughs> you know, it, it's so subjective. You know, as long as you are authentic to you, that's what's in style now. So very interesting. Culture now places a high value on uniqueness, me bringing me to the table. Isn't that interesting? Like that, that, that has shifted. That's new, but we're actually called to lay that down. And you, you actually find greater uniqueness after submission in the kingdom. And, and so to me, like when I look at the two of you, I see leaders that are getting to contribute. I see leaders that are getting to to form and shape things. I mean, Nick, I've worked with you putting together staff days before and you know, it's, it's you getting to make a lot of the calls, you know, and you're getting to exercise leadership, but that came second, I think is the point here. Like that came later. That wasn't the starting point, like carrying the weight. That's not how it felt at the beginning. It started with laying it down and being a student. Right. Yeah. 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 And I would say this um, for anybody who's listening that has that desire to have a, maybe a closer relationship with their pastor or or carry the weight at a greater level. Um, I, I've shared this story with you earlier, Brandon, about how like when I first started here on the team, it wasn't like that all of a sudden just came with a title. Right. Like, right. There's there's this relationship and, and trust. And here we are 20 years later getting to experience um, the joy and the benefit of of shouldering the ministry with our pastors um, but there was, there was, a, it was a funny story, but I first started here at the church, um, in my first two years, uh, yeah, we had the old church, uh, the white church van. Uh, I literally, I got suspended from driving the church van and there was a time limit put on it. My pastor's wife said, you will not drive the church van for the next six months. Why'd you get suspended? Okay. So, oh, no. you know, oh, old no. pastor days, <laughs> we had two vans and one van always had to beat the other van. Right. So there's a little bit of competition. And so I wasn't going to lose. And uh, the kids thought it was awesome. And they went back and told their parents that Pastor Nick was racing in the church van. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was a win, but apparently uh, my pastors didn't. So, <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. So, but, but in that though, like I just look at just the, the amount of time, like trust to carry the weight um, is something that is earned over time. Yes. It's showing up day in and day out. It's, uh, shouldering the burden day in and day out. It's anticipating what your pastors need before they need it and bring, right. bring so it good. to the table. Like, like for me, I had, I had, I had many failures along the way, but I think it was this, this thought of like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure they know uh, that I'm not, I don't want to be a threat to anybody. I'm just here to serve the ministry and to help them implement whatever God's put in their heart. And as that transparency came over time, as that trust came over time, um, we were allowed um, through God's grace and through 
through our pastor's um, permission to come to the table at a greater level and, and carry that with them. And well, it's worth noting your journey here. You went from being suspended, you know, driving the church van. So funny, by the way, uh, you went, you went from that season to now you're literally helping lead a building project today. I mean, one of, one of the most stressful, costly, important journeys a pastor will ever take. And what, what a journey, right? And so for the person that feels like they just got suspended from driving the church van, maybe we can remind you there's hope, you know, in, in all of this on the other side of it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's brilliant. Okay. I wanted to get a little bit of a list going, two, two three, four things here. Um, like, like how does, how does a leader uh, position themselves to carry weight? And I think the first thing I'm hearing, I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on this is number one, just having an extra mile spirit. Like you, you mentioned Liz a minute ago, we made everything better than they imagined. I mean, that, that was feedback. And to me, that speaks to having an extra mile spirit. Like pastors say, go one, I'm going to go two. What would you guys say about an extra mile spirit? I think, you know, personally for me now, Nick works closely with our senior pastor and I work closely with our pastor's wife. And I think for me, where the trust has come is because every event, every task that she's given me, I'll, I'll do it exactly to what she says, but then I'll add more to make it even better. Maybe there's a part that she didn't see or she, you know, is not her skill set that I can add to it to make it even better than what she thought. And so I think that over time, doing that over and over again, now being at the place when I give an idea, sometimes she tells me, I, I don't think so, but I trust you, you make the call. And so that, that took a long time to get there, but every time, and I failed, I have failed sometimes, but I think the biggest part of earning that trust is like recognizing when you do fail and having the teachable spirit to, to learn from it and then doing it better the next time. Yeah. And I would, I would even add to that where it's not even it. The trust is earned in a way when you're not just going to make it better, but you're going to make it better according to the way that they see the vision in their heart, right? Like, because we've we've all got individual opinions on what we think would be better, and I've heard I've heard um, our pastors say this many times, especially Denise to Liz on, "Hey, you know what I like? I trust you." So it's not even what you like is better. It's hey, you understand what's in my heart, and I yeah, trust that right. you're going to make this come to fruition Great. in a way that's going to be how we, we, we see this. Right. And so like, I think that, again, going back to what you said earlier, laying down preferences, um, that's, that's foundational to second chair leaders. So it's, it's studying your pastors, learning to a point of what would they like? Um, even, even to a point, and we can cut this part of the podcast if we need to, but I, I'm even thinking like, I'm even thinking to a point where our, our pastors, we can see some of the weaknesses in them. Um, that that maybe others can, and actually coming to the table to to cover those issues, right? So like studying to the point to know where would they feel insecure, where would they feel weak, what can I do to make sure I cover areas that actually like lessen some of their weaknesses or visibility of those weaknesses to people, you know? So yeah, no, you're first of all the whenever somebody says maybe we can cut this out those are always the parts i want to keep just so you know <laughs> uh so that's <laughs> but you at, you bring up a bible principle here it's it's noah and his sons 
Noah, Noah was naked in a tent one day. He was drunk. Noah shouldn't have been drunk. That, that was a flaw. He should, that, 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 that would not, that was not right. And his nakedness was showing. And why doesn't somebody go read that story and read about the son that exposed his nakedness and the son that covered his nakedness and look how God responded. Why don't you go do a little Bible study and see how God views authority and authority he establishes. We are in a culture right now that loves to expose the nakedness of a leader and loves to talk about it as if that's valiant. Um, I'll, I'll stand up any day and declare that is not a kingdom response. And so, so I, I, I appreciate the way you said it and it's, it's sensitive, but it's true. And any second chair leader that's going to go the distance, you're going to have to learn the art of, um, of covering nakedness and, and being right. Now we're not talking about covering up things that are illegal, immoral, all, all we always were saying that we're just talking about the imperfections of a leader. Um, the second thing I think that we were talking about, just this idea of positioning yourself to carry the weight well with your pastor is being a student of your pastor. How has that looked for you over the years to be a student of your pastor? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, a podcast. I think, I think it was a Craig Rochelle podcast called anticipatory leadership. Yes. Um, it was a game changer for me that actually made me, uh, learn to be a student of my pastor at a greater level because I wanted to know what he, I wanted to, to see something and know how he would want it. Um, I would want to be able to respond to a situation and know how he'd be, how he'd want it be, to be responded to. Um, it made me think like two steps ahead of him in a way to say, um, what would, if pastor Brad were in this room, um, how would he handle the situation? How would he deal with this conflict? How would he want the room to look from an aesthetic standpoint? Um, I think looking down the road to say, um, observing even in the moments where he says certain things about certain things that most people or anybody could just blow off. I'm making notes mentally. I'm making notes on my phone. He doesn't like that there, or it bothers him Mm -hmm. when, uh, there's trash on the front lawn of our building or whatever, like even the nitpicky things to the things that most people would say would really matter. Um, I'm, I'm making mental catalog in my head as he's speaking. I can watch his body language. I can see what frustrates him. I can see what annoys him. I can tell when he's stressed out. And I'm just trying to catalog those things so I can not bring all those things up to him to say, hey, I noticed this, I noticed that, I noticed this, but to actually talk to the people that can make changes about those things so that it lessens the, the stress or the frustrations or um, brings a greater comfort to uh, whatever we're doing as a ministry in that season. Great. Well said. I think the last thing I'd want to draw out on carrying the weight, and I think my pastor would say this if he was here in this conversation, like I think I've heard him say this before, is that he would say one thing that built trust between he and I was that I was able to step into difficult moments on his behalf and for him and handle them how he would want them handled, whether it be conflict resolution whether it be coaching with a team member, you know, whether it be handling sensitive information, sensitive situations, you know, that I was able to step into the pressure zone and that actually in his absence, uh, my leadership still brought about uh, the same result. What would you all have to say about 
stepping into the pressure zone and handling tough moments for your pastors? I think it begins with the the last point that we were talking about, about studying them. And I know for us, so many times uh, we have, and, and our pastors have done a great job with us, with bringing us along. Like they brought us along on hospital visits. They brought us on house visits. Like they brought us along in those tough moments. Uh, if they're having a tough moment conversation, they'll bring us in to show us how they do it. But I think even more than that is, you know, as a second chair, we want to take we want to try to deal with as many as those situations as we can so that they don't have to. And I know for myself, most times if I'm unclear or unsure how I think they would respond or how they would want me to respond, I go to them first and ask them like, Hey, here's the situation real quick. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Uh, How do you want me to approach these people? And uh, I mean, and that goes on all levels of leadership, not even just to your senior pastor, but if you have a direct report, it's the same way. We're all representing somebody above us. Right. And so um, I think for me, it's been taking the situations I have, even though they might've been not been the big moments, starting with the smaller situations and constantly asking them, how do you want me to do this? Which led to the big moments where all of a sudden I don't have time to go and ask them. It's right here in my face. Um, But I have that again, I've had pretty much that schooling with them of knowing this is how they would respond. And this is what I would do. Um, So I think that that great is time with them. Great. Yeah. And, and that, that is such a good art to learn for for your pastors to hear from you. Hey, I want to handle this. Like I'm, I'm good to step into this place. I'm not asking you to fix it, but I do need to understand preference here. I need to understand what matters to you. I think Liz, something I did is like a 2.0 of that later, later on in years was I started going to them and saying, here's the situation. Here's how I'm planning to handle it. So I actually have the plan. Do you have any input before I step into that moment and do that? So that, but, but you, you got to take these thing in this thing in phases. And then over time, you just see more and more empowerment come your way and trust built. Like we've been talking about here. Yeah, I, that, that's a lesson that I've learned in the last year or so. And I think it's huge to not, we all know we don't want to bring more problems to our pastors. Right. And it's one thing to come in and have a humble heart to say, hey, I've got this situation. How do you want, how, how do you want me to deal with it? I think that's, right. that's one step. The other step, like you said, is to give them the comfort that you have a plan. You did have a direction. And now you're not asking, how do you want me to handle it? But hey, can I get your stamp of approval? This is what I'm thinking. Right. And it, and that way, they've got the ability to speak into our life to say, "Hey, you're ninety percent the way there, but would you change this and this?" And being willing to receive that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think I think one thing um, that we can do that would help uh, gain more trust to our pastors is to like, I, I know we've talked about feedback and different things here, but being a person who they can be completely honest with, completely vulnerable mm-hmm. with. And that you're easy to get feedback to, even if it's hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, um, I, I know that like we all write emails different ways. And sometimes when we write emails to people, it's like people we don't know, we've got to like, hope you're doing well. And yeah. so good. You know, you, you fluff it up to get to the stuff. Like I, I want to be that guy to my pastor where he can just be frustrated. He can just use frustrated words. And I understand he knows I'm not going to be offended by it, but I can take that. So good. Just, just that type of um, 
relationship and trust, I think it's just huge when you're looking to carry the weight with your pastor. Well said. Well said. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. First of all, we need to continue it. Um, carrying the weight. I just, if, if you're here today and that resonates with you, you're not alone, but there's absolutely foundation that has to be built in order to get there. Let me ask you guys um, one more question before we land here today. Because I always think if someone's here at the end, I, I, I'm, I'm no dummy. I know some people have checked out by now on the episode. Okay, that's fine and good. But if someone's listening to the end, they needed this episode. I, I just always think about that at the end. Like who hung on all the way that this was speaking to? And the person I'd like for you to talk to on the last question here is the person Maybe they're a bit removed from their pastor on the org chart. Maybe they're not a, a direct report. Maybe they're new in ministry, but they're, they're, they're somewhere down the ranks, so to speak. Um, or maybe someone feels overlooked. You know, they, they've, they've not had the chance to carry the weight like they would like to. Just what would you say right into the spirit of that leader today that this conversation is resonating with them. They want to, but maybe they're, you know, they feel like, how can I do that in the position that I'm in? What would you say to that person? No, uh, what I would say to that person is um, stay faithful. Um, take the things that we talked about and just know that um, this doesn't happen overnight. Um, you you got to stay planted. You got to stay faithful. Like we mentioned, trust is earned over time. And I believe this, that, even more than trying to honor or impress your pastor, right? It's, it's, you're doing this for the Lord first. And, Absolutely. And God will bring those moments of opportunity where you, you get maybe that time you've been wanting, or you get the opportunity or whatever it is. It's, it's, we're doing this unto the Lord even before a man or a woman, right? Even though seconds chair leaders, I think we've That's got right. to recognize that. And so like, I, I know, I know earlier what I, I, I referenced your pastor's message. And the one thing that he said at leading second camp uh, that really stuck with me in that talk was, I, I believe it was his first question, or maybe it was, maybe it was the last, last one. It's irrelevant, but he was saying, I wonder who's going to go to battle with me. Hmm. And that question alone, hmm. I think sometimes we forget about how hard uh, senior leadership is, what it is our pastors are doing, how much weight they carry. We've got our little sphere in our bubble. Um, but think of that, like, times a hundred because they're, they're right. managing everything within the church. And so I, I just think, man, if, if we can be faithful, if we can lean in, if we can say, Hey, we're doing this unto the Lord and for God and for his kingdom, right. Um, God's going to open those doors of opportunity. And if we can have patience with our pastors, knowing, man, they've got a lot on their mind. <laughs> um, but I believe that this is if, if we stay faithful, stay planted, that, that God will bring those opportunities to you to carry the weight and to have the desire that you really want, want to see come to pass. Beautiful. If you want to carry the weight from them, how do you know what weight they're carrying? Well, you may not know the big leadership things or the big things at church that they're carrying, but if they have a family, that's a weight that they're carrying. Help them with their family. And I, you know, I think back to when, you know, we were in ministry. I just came on staff a few years ago. I was a stay-at-home mom, just the pastor's wife, involved in events as I could. But during that season was a time where I could, one, minister to their family, take their kids out, you know, 
have conversations with their kids, seek their kids out, bless them, you know, by encouraging their family, uh, as well as, you know, what is it in my area, my department that I'm over? Hmm. Yes, I may not directly report to my pastor in these areas. However, if they're looking at my area, are they going to see yes or wow, that's a lot of problems? And so right. if I can make my area the yes area, when they look at it, they automatically are going to look at me with favor. And when I come into their space, then they are now open to receiving me into going to a further relationship. And so I think it's reach their family. That's beautiful. I was picking up broccoli for my pastor's wife yesterday at Costco. So it's like, do the things that can lighten their everyday life. If you don't, if you're not in the place where you can lighten their ministry load. That's good. You know, Oh gosh, we, I'm supposed to be landing the plane. And then you got me to one of my bothers right now, Liz, culturally speaking. And that is that leaders and, and helping them even on the personal side of their life, where you bump up against that culturally right now is this oppressor oppressed language. And like, if a leader asks you to do something that's over and above that, they're, they're like an abusive leader or something. I've mentioned this before a few times, but like I took my, I drove my pastor to the airport on Christmas morning one year, you know, I, I, as an intern, maybe don't do this one. I don't know why we did this, but as an intern, I walked, we walked up, me and a friend walked up to their office one day and, um, asked his assistant, we didn't go into his office, never saw Pastor Kevin that day, but asked him if we could take his car out and clean it. <laughs> I think we just wanted to drive Pastor's car or something. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, she goes, well, I'm going to have to go ask, you know, and she comes back out with his keys and she's like, here you go, you know, <laughs> and and we went and washed Pastor's car. And but, you know, some of those times of just being in their airspace, um, man, that's when I've learned the most. And, and I just, man, if it's picking up broccoli at Costco, you know, and that, that brings you into the airspace of a leader you respect, you don't know what they might say or deposit into your life in those moments. You know, I remember, um, this is with a mentor of mine, not with my pastor, but I remember for years, my, my very earliest years in ministry, I drove a mentor of mine to the airport. He traveled and helped churches exactly like we get to do now. And I drove him and, and because he flew international most of the time, it was always to the S gates in Seattle, which was the international terminal at the time. And, um, as God would have it 10 years later, when I stepped out to, to travel my very first flight out, um, to help, to help a church was from the S gates. And it hit me, um, as I was standing there that what I had done, for somebody else, God was now making happen for me, you know, and, and like God, God is so good. Like he won't let you miss it. You know, when, when, when you just make yourself available, the, uh, our culture's language is going to tear down the beauty of the kingdom and the beauty of the gospel by telling you your leader is abusive, telling you your leader is, is an oppressor, like just push back against that. Uh, if they're in the wrong, you'll know. And if they're doing something immoral, you'll know. But our culture's language on that just couldn't be more more off right now, in my opinion. And I think the kingdom needs some leaders right now to step up and say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be in their presence. I'm going to go all in. And something beautiful will be built in your life as you do it. 
So man, to the person listening today, if you're still here after my little preachy, um, God's with you and he's going to help you. Hey, I love you guys so much. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for your voice in the mix this season. We, we value you very much. Yeah. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. It's been an honor and, and your kind words to us. It's, it's truly an honor to hear that from one of the greatest second chairs that we hold in our lives to tell us that, yay, good job. Um, that means a lot. Yeah. So keep running. Absolutely, guys. God bless you guys. God bless you. Leaving second. so much for listening today. If you got anything valuable out of today's episode, go ahead and share it with your teams or with a friend in ministry, because that is what Leading Second is all about, linking arms and growing together. And hey, if you call yourself part of the Leading Second family, we would so appreciate it if you would take 30 seconds to leave a rating and a review wherever you find yourself listening. This helps us get this podcast and this message out to more second chair leaders that need to hear what is happening here each and every week. So we thank you and we appreciate you so much. For more information, you can check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond, and you can join us in the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.